Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic for today will be taxes. Well, don't click away just yet. This is some stuff you may want to know about. We're going to talk to a tax expert who's going to explain the new tax laws that go into effect this year that could impact next year's taxes on the new ways and how you pay each other over Venmo and PayPal and all sorts of other apps and whether or not there are some tax implications by using those apps and those ways of paying each other for various things. But first... Here's three things you should know from recent headlines on BeaconJournal.com. The Akron community continues to respond and react to a recent series that Beacon Journal published online and in print about the devastating impact to the community when the Interbelt was built and the disruptions it had to Black-owned businesses and families who lived in its path. We will continue to cover that story with updates and the latest plans for the inner belt now that it's being decommissioned and no longer a road and what the future holds for that swath of land just off downtown Akron. While cases of COVID are dropping in the region, there's still plenty of cases going around and also the impact of rules by Northeast Ohio hospitals that have placed workers on leave for refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Those numbers of workers who have been placed on leave number in the hundreds. Our reporter Betty Lynn Fisher has been reporting on this and other stories related to the pandemic. A recent water main break that created havoc in downtown Akron and ended up closing business and streets has raised the question, just how old are some of Akron's water pipes? Our reporter, Abby Marshall, did take a look at that and continuing to meet with city officials to discuss what the future holds for these aging infrastructure in the city center. For more on these stories and others, we encourage you to visit BeaconJournal.com and our various apps and also our print edition for subscriber-exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. Well, there's some things that are certain in life and the old probably overused expression, life and taxes, and and we're, we're still living, and there's still taxes. And so um, today we have a discussion with, with Tony Beans, just wrote a, a story that, that's done very well online, and, and on, I would remark online specifically because I think it kind of is that online economy. I mean, it's really about the online. So we're joined by Tony Beans and Jim Bradenberg from the uh, tax and accounting firm of Sickage. Welcome. Good morning. All right, Tony, I, I guess I'll get started. Your, your, your story, you know, have you tell us a little bit about what, what your article is about. And I and, it, and it's something that, that my children, well, the last two years kind of dragged me into. I, I, I'm an old fart. Um, so, there, therefore, I was kind of re- reluctant to uh, use these online paying apps. But um, I use it all the time now. I mean, not all the time, but, but more than I did. So, why don't you tell a little bit about your story and, and how it came about? Yeah, so essentially the story is just um, clearing up some uh, rumors and just dispelling uh, bad information. A lot of people are under the assumption that everything that they use, Venmo, PayPal, any of these kind of like third-party um, like transaction apps for Zelle, there, there's been a whole group of people that have heard that 
you know, they can't use these apps anymore because they're going to be taxed on everything. So they go back to cash. Um, actually, really, I didn't even know anything about it until I saw something on Facebook that my uh, friend uh, shared. And it was pretty much just a Facebook post, as many of them are, full of misinformation saying people trying to pay, you know, back for cookies or rent or anything. Uh, everything's going to be taxed. Don't use these apps anymore. And it was just a mess. So me, who uses... Venmo, PayPal, um, all the time, I was like, well, I need to know what's kind of going on with this. So I started to look more into it and, of course, found out that most of that wasn't true and then started asking people in my own, you know, family and friends. And they were like, oh, you know, I need to know if that's true because I use it all, too. So I just started to look into it. Um, and then luckily I was uh, connected um, through Sickitch to Jim and it just worked out that able to collect all this information about, you know, what's really going on with that and what people need to be caught, like if people really need to even worry about it, which for most average people, they don't. So I guess that's where Jim comes in. So, I mean, there was a tax law change, right? I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if something didn't change, right? So, right. so something did change in, in the way the IRS and the, and the federal government are looking at these type of transactions. Yes, uh, last year, just about a year ago, uh, last March, the, uh, American Rescue Plan, again, was really, uh, I think the third major, uh, legislation that Congress did, you know, dealing with, you know, the pandemic to provide relief for businesses and, and, uh, individuals. You know, you had people who were familiar, you know, they got another round of the, uh, the individual rebate checks that they had and, and a number of other changes for, for business as well. But, um, one of the things that uh, was in that bill is related to what they call, and, and, and Tony mentioned that the uh, third-party uh, you know, settlement organizations, so that would be like your, let's say your PayPal, that um, uh, if they, you know, make uh, payments in a year, you know, whether they have to, you know, do any tax filing with, and it's a form 1099K is the actual form that they file each year. And in the past, they had a requirement that uh, if they paid to uh, in a um, – you know, a recipient got it if they got more than $20,000 in a year or had more than 200 transactions in a year, they would need to, to fill that out and provide that to them. And what this uh, this tax legislation this this past year did was to reduce that down to $600, okay? And um, and there's no, no limit as far as the number of transactions with it. So it's just a $600 level with it. So that's one thing that uh, will change again. It starts for the transactions that happened this year, but it'll be the reports that are filed next year at this time, you know, at the end of January and, and next year at this time. So it did reduce that threshold quite a bit then. Okay. So, so this is where maybe the misinformation comes from. I, I'm thinking about, you know, like my one, you know, I'll be anecdotal for myself. We have a child who's taking a trip to Washington, D.C. And so the organizer had a bright idea. Let's just collect the money through Venmo or PayPal or you know, I mean, some of those might be be above that $600 threshold for, like, say, a trip. Now, clearly, I'm not being paid. I mean, I'm just giving this person, the poor schlep who uh, volunteered to be the treasurer for a class trip. I mean, yeah. would they kind of find themselves a bit in a pickle? I mean, with this type of law? Uh, you know, good question with it. What, what um, you know, it indicated when they made this change, they also indicated that, it, you know, it's for goods and services that are being, uh, uh, you know, paid for. And uh, so if it's a reimbursement of a, an expense or like a donation or something, you know, they wouldn't have to issue it for that. Um, but I think what you're bound to do is you may get situations where, uh, you know, the, the third-party group may issue these forms and perhaps, you know, issue them uh, maybe when they don't need to. Uh, 
And uh, a couple things could happen with that. Is one is if you got one and maybe you didn't think you needed it, uh, they will indicate, you know, as a phone a phone number right on the 1099K. If you get that, to call them in and say, you know, I received this. You know, maybe the amount is in here, or maybe I shouldn't have received it. And uh, you know, talk with them on it, and um, maybe they will will correct it with it. Or the other thing is, is if you got one and it really has, you know, let's say you're not in any trader business, you didn't have anything to report. You know, keep the form, but just, you know, keep it in your file or talk to your tax advisor. Say, you know, I received this. I don't think I have to include anything. I called them. They wouldn't change it. Um, you know, and, uh, I think that, uh, you know, you, um, you know, document in your file that, uh, you know, you didn't need to include that. And, um, I think you should be fine with it then. So, um, but anyway, that's, uh, I think we're going to get situations, especially, you know, next year when we get the first year where they start issuing more and more perhaps of these forms that you're going to get some of those questions and situations that you mentioned there where you know, maybe somebody got one, maybe it was uh, inadvertent or an error, and, uh, you know, we'll need to get that uh, perhaps clarified. Now, this is broad generalization, but I, I think, have you ever tried to deal with an e company I, i'm sure they have a bank of a thousand people standing by to take your call <laughs> yeah i know you know it, it's a bit of a you know it's not like you walk into huntington bank and just start bounding on the on the on the counter you know that, that when you're dealing with these folks i i find it would probably be a bit of a, a labyrinth itself trying to get someone on the phone or yeah even you know, I, I can't imagine because you know you think about the person the class trip at six hundred dollars a pop times a bus of 56 kids it almost looks like you had a full-time, you know, pretty good paying full-time job. You know, oh, right. That, right. that total amount would be a significant, you know, and I mean, does it make a difference in, in how you, should, should people not be so flippant about what they're saying, the, the purpose of the expenses? I know you can put like a memo line or an emoji or something. I mean, would that help you avoid some of these pitfalls instead no, of saying pay for services or put something like I you reimburse for pizza? You know, should, should you be more specific in your transactions? I think that would be helpful, you know, if there was something like this, especially if it was, you know, uh, especially one, if you're not in the trader business in the first place with it, you know, again, if you're just, you know, arranging a trip, as you said, like that, or you're, uh, you've just got some friends and you're, again, you're getting a, a you know, a dinner or pizza or whatever it might be, um, you know, you're not going to have that concern. So yeah, if you want to document that, that the, it was for that, I think that will help, um, you know, to help clarify any questions do come up with it later on. Now, the other thing to note, I just wanted to mention here too, uh, you know, that, um, again, it's these third party, uh, organizations, again, the, uh, you know, PayPal or Venmo that, that, that have that, that have this threshold that's going to go from 20,000 down to 600 and again, no threshold. But if it's a, if it's a direct pay from a, you know, credit card company, um, you know, not going through a third party one, a direct one, then there's no threshold, you know, it's, it starts with the first dollar, if you will, you know, and that's always been the change. That didn't change as a result of the law. That's been the rule with it. So if it's a, you know, if you're getting paid, let's say directly from Visa or MasterCard with it, the rule has been that you're going to get the same 1099K and there's no dollar threshold with, they're just going to send that to you. So if you are in a trader business and you accept those payments, you're going to be receiving that. And that's been the rule for, you know, for a number of years. So, so maybe we need to back up a little bit and, and help me understand. So, does PayPal or Venmo, take Connie for example, do they know that she's an individual, and not a trader business, or are they going to treat everyone the same with, with, with these type of forms? And it depends. So, um, from what I have seen, uh, so I have both PayPal and Venmo, and I occasionally use Zelle, and then there's also Cash App. Those are the big ones that I am uh, aware of. 
Zell, I talked to them. They are not a part of this at all. Um, they're under some sort of exception, I think, because they aren't a third. They don't, they're not considered a third party. They do things between banks. So they're completely excluded from this, um, according to them, at least. And um, so Cash App actually has separate business accounts. It's only the business accounts that are even going to get a 1099. So if you don't have a business account on Cash App, you don't even need to worry about it. But PayPal and um, Venmo, on the other hand, you it's by transaction versus just a business account. So if I was going to, you know, Craig, if I was going to send you $10 uh, because you, I don't know, made me like a really nice picture and mailed it to me or something, um, I, you know, and I labeled it as a business, you know, expense. It, it, I'm pretty sure it it takes off some money from it. Uh, I'm pretty sure for insurance or something. It like that's the whole point is that I would send it to make sure that it got to you. It's like a dollar or something or it's some percentage. And um, and so things like that is what would, from my understanding, be counted because you, it's literally labeled as a business or good, you know, good expense like a good or service. But then if I was sending, you know, um, you know, Jim something that's just like, oh, hey, thanks for the thanks for here's my portion of the pizza. And I don't label that as a business or, you know, it's it. I don't put that toggle on. Then, you know, it would go unnoticed. I guess it wouldn't or shouldn't be in those kind of 1099 reports. That's Correct. my understanding. Correct. Right. So it seems to be for a for trader business with it uh, that you have that. So so then in that case, if you got. A number of those $10 ones for you actually where you were set, you know, uh, doing it in a trader business and that amounted to over $600, then PayPal would give you the form then. So, uh, that's what they're trying to, uh, <clears throat> to do is distinguish if you're in a trader business and you're getting it for good or service and it amounts to over $600 starting this year with it, then they'll issue you that, uh, 1099K. So for example, I have a daughter at Ohio State and she has a roommate. And they're trading money back and forth. They're like day traders. Rent. Sure. This is the rent. I mean, but it's a significant amount because they're paying half the rent, then they're paying oh, half sure. the rent. But you owe this bill, that bill. As individuals, they wouldn't necessarily get these or would Correct. they? Correct. Correct. Okay. So this they is would only not get if, that. I, if I'm getting a Venmo from, let's say, Pizza Hut for some reason, they're giving me $20. <laughs> that would be because they're a business giving it to an individual. They would have to report that, or if I were a business giving it to someone, because I'm a registered business. Uh, yes, if you were, if you were, uh, you know, you know, if Pizza Hut was accepting, uh, you know, PayPal or Venmo for their pizzas with it, obviously, uh, you know, they would get that. But they're going to have, you know, thousands of dollars with it. They're going to be picking that amount anyway. They would get a, a form for that. So, but if so, you if you started receiving, or you started doing your own pizza on the side here, and you started getting uh, amounts, and people started paying you with that, but you were in a trade of business at that point, you know, then uh, you know, once it got to over six hundred dollars, you'd get the the uh, the form for that. So, so individuals should necessarily pay. So, in the case of our person organizing a class trip, they're not a trader business. He's just an individual. She probably, even though it's a significant amount, should be okay. Yes. Right. That'd be the general, and that's why I, I mentioned before is that you know if they if they get one and, and maybe it's a uh, you know again maybe in this in this transition one this third party one sends it out and uh, maybe they shouldn't have again that's where maybe as you said you try to make that call if you can get through to them and get that uh, corrected or just indicate hey I'm not in a trader business with this and just realize that uh, they may you know I would talk with their tax advisor with it and say I got a form here I tried to correct it but they wouldn't. Uh, do it and, you know, kind of how to deal with it at that point. 
So what's your as your accountant hat? I mean, what's your advice? I mean, you, what's your what's your thoughts on these transactions via these these? Yeah, I don't want to say social media, but these electronic, you know, new apps are. Are you wary of them, or what's your advice to clients, or even a client who has a daughter or, or a son, and and do you, do you prefer the old-fashioned way, or or you think this is from an accounting point of view? Are there some pitfalls using these apps? Good question. I, I think what <clears throat> you're seeing is again, if somebody's in a trader business, you know, again, they're they're trying to um, adjust, if you will, or be flexible to deal with some of the the new, um, you know, what's the latest, if you will, as far as you know. They're trying to attract new business with it. They have to, uh, especially if they're trying to appeal to maybe to some of the, you know, the younger uh, market out there form that they're going to have to accept these payment uh, uh, options out there with it. So it's not only the regular, you know, cash or check they may have coming in, but now they're going to get some of these other uh, payments with it. But that may be an important part of their business as they're trying to grow their business that they're going to have to accept it. And with that uh, comes, you know, maybe some additional reporting that they're going to have to deal with on it. Um I mean, whatever they receive in income, whether it's from a third-party one or whether it's uh, directly from a credit card company or cash or check, they still have to report all that income. It's just now that they're getting some additional uh, forms that are getting reported that may help them at the end of the year determine, you know, how much they actually did receive from this. And um, then it all ends up on their tax return that they've got to, uh, you know, to decide how to report and what to include on their return then. And these are probably folks that go to farmers markets and perhaps Etsy and, you know, small, right. you know, I'm making cookies or, you know, my jelly bean business. Although I think jelly beans are hard to make, so probably not a good business to get into. But yeah. so these are those folks. So my other question is, I, I'm a little curious and I've kind of thought this. Is there any reporting on these cash apps for significant amounts of money to sit in an account? And maybe just sit there, you know, that, that they, their vice is to cash out. I mean, that the right because they're not FDIC insured, you know, if, if for some strange reason one of these apps were to implode tomorrow, you know, if you had money, so you're not necessarily insured on that money. And, and, and what's your advice to folks who maybe use this as a savings account? Probably not a good idea. Good idea. Yeah, I, I would think, uh, you know, once they would get the, you know, paid with it, you know, to especially if it was a trader business, you'd want to. Uh, uh, convert that and have that transferred over to your regular bank account or checking account that you had for the business, whatever the time frame was, you know, as soon as they could get that transferred over, I think would be probably the, uh, you know, recommendation that is to get that in their account, not let it uh, sit there, um, you know, for any longer than it necessarily needs to be. And uh, I don't think the other thing is I don't know that one, uh, that they would pay you any interest for having it sit in there. Um, and then two, again, uh, if something happened to it uh, and you'd lose that again, then it would be uh, even even worse with it. So, I would think just to get it transferred, just like you would anything else. You know, if you were a a business, uh, you know, a restaurant or any business that gets you know cash or check or other deposits, again, you're going to make deposits at the bank on a regular or daily basis with it. You know, and I would think the same thing in this case is to you know transfer that over to your your bank or checking account as soon as uh, uh, is practical. So, Ty, this should not be your Cancun account. Perhaps this might not be a good place to uh, park your reimbursements from your friends. So what's your thoughts? I mean, you know, your friends and, and talking, if you've done the story, do you think people are starting to understand that maybe it doesn't impact them? Or you think there's still a lot of misinformation or just confusion out there? Yeah, I think um, I think it has helped people. When the story first came out, I actually got an email um, from a very nice woman who just emailed me just to say thank you um, because she wasn't sure what to do about it. And she, you know, it cleared some things up for her because 
all she was seeing was stuff on Facebook and she wasn't getting a nice, straight, probably um, reliable answer on what the new reporting requirements would mean to her. So um, I do think that it's at least helped one person. Uh, I know it's it's doing pretty good online, so um, a lot of people are uh, reading it. Uh, personally, I know that um, I've all my everyone I know that uses Venmo, PayPal, anything, which is just about everyone I know has asked me about it. Um, and I've directed them to the story or whenever I was writing the story, I kind of gave them the basic details and, you know, they've all have some sort of idea and taken their, you know, whatever appropriate action they feel comfortable with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's really helped people. I know, you know, most people my age, I mean, I know people that work places where their business only does things via Venmo and PayPal. So they were like, uh, you know, what are, you know, they have a small business or they're, they work for a small business and they're like, is this going to like put us under? Cause they don't know if they, you know, they should be paying taxes the whole time, but you know, they don't know what their boss does and doesn't do or doesn't, doesn't know. Um, so they were kind of worried about that. And, you know, so they were able to have those kind of conversations to make sure that their jobs were okay uh, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm sure it'll keep reaching people. And if people ask me about it, I'll keep sending them towards the story, but, um, you know, there's still a lot of stuff out there. Luckily, I haven't seen anything recently yet that's, like, with more information, uh, more misinformation, um, but it's always there. You just got to keep fighting it, I guess. I guess I would be remiss since we have you here. I mean, is this going to be a complicated tax forms this year? <laughs> I mean, we've had stimulus checks. We've had all <laughs> sorts of things. I mean, is it going to be a, a complicated year for millennials and, and, and young folks and, and old Gen Zs and all, everyone in between this year to, to file? Yeah. Is it- I think, uh, I mean, the last uh, two years, you know, what we've had is actually the uh, the filing date was extended by the IRS, you know, right in the middle of the, when the pandemic first came in and uh, in, in 2020, it you know, went from April to July 15th. And last year they moved it from April to May 15th, uh, the IRS indicated they don't want to, you know, extend it this year. You know, there's still some things they're working through, but they don't want to, you know, move the filing date. But as far as some things uh, for folks to, uh, you know, be aware of for this year, uh, one, again, we did get um, another round of the, again, I mentioned these uh, rebate checks, these economic income payment ones that came out last uh, March was the uh, was the third round of it. Uh, there was, you know, the initial one in, in March of 2020. Then we got the, the one um, – Late December, early January of 2021, and then uh, last March we had the, the third round with it. And those, again, if you receive the payment with it, you know, I would say that they, I think they sent the letter with it. Just be aware of what you received with that, because that will need to, you know, get reconciled on your tax return for this year. You know, and if you didn't receive one, you might be able to get what they call a credit uh, on your tax return if you're entitled to it for 2021. So that's one thing to be aware of. The other one, though, that I think is going to be a, uh, you know, for, for some people, um, one that to, to be aware of is um, it started this past uh, July with it where what they had is a there's a referred to as the child tax credit. And uh, Congress made two changes with it. One is they increased the amount from two thousand dollars for child up to three thousand dollars a child. And if the child was under age six, it went to thirty six hundred dollars. So it's a, quite an increase in the amount of that credit. And then they did as they said, well, since it's a half a year, they kind of estimated what they thought your child credit was going to be. 
and gave you, uh, you know, for half a year what you're going to get with it. Then they spread that out and gave you monthly payment and that, you know, for six months, starting from July through December of what your, um, you know, this child credit was going to be. Well, anyway, when you get your 20, you know, 21 tax return, you've got some of that credit in advance. So, you know, you're not going to have that credit when you file your tax return because you already got some of it ahead of time, you know, so it's going to be a little less of a, a credit, you know, for a child credit when you file because you got, you know, some of that in advance uh, with it. And um, there's also some uh, income limitations, depending on what your income is, that that credit might get adjusted some. So it will definitely be a uh, item that uh, you need to uh, uh, work with either yourself with it or if you're a tax advisor, you know, if you did receive those payments, exactly how much you received, they're going to send a letter out to the IRS's uh, that they were sending out here in January if you did receive those payments so that you can provide that to your your tax preparer to let them know how much you received with it. Um, the IRS said, you know, to check that closely to make sure it's correct with it, you know. Uh, so, so I guess you're going to have to maybe look you know, back to your – if you got a check or it was a direct deposit as to what that was, and then that will need to get included. Uh, there's a separate uh, schedule uh, that goes through those child credit payments. So – you know, it was nice when they were getting that and you were getting these monthly payments, but when you get to the end of the year, now it all has to kind of uh, uh, go through and figure out, you know, uh, did you get maybe too much of a credit or too little of it, and then some of that will either be paid back or additional amount received when you file your return for 21. So that'll be, a, I think, one of the big um, kind of something new in 21 for 21 tax returns, a little more of a, a complication that you're going to have this year that you do not have um, uh, last year. Uh, another thing to note, uh, just to mention that uh, came up with that American Rescue Plan I talked about before was, uh, again, that was passed like the middle of March of, of 2021. And what they did with that is uh, actually, if you had received, and a number of people did in, in 2020, uh, some unemployment uh, you know, benefits in, uh, in 2020, what uh, the legislation did is to say up to $10,200 of your unemployment would not be taxable. For the 2020 year, um, as long as your adjusted gross income was under, I think it was $150,000. Well, they sent, you know, they passed that bill in the middle of March. Well, some people had already maybe filed their, you know, 2020 tax return early, you know, January, February, maybe early March of 2021. Then they said, well, because unemployment benefits are, are taxable, you know, that they could have excluded some of that. So the IRS actually went back in and, and said that if you'd already filed and you did include that, that they would go back in and recalculate and issue a refund. But that was a change that came about, you know, late in the process to provide relief if people did have some unemployment. Um, but that's not available here in 2021. So if somebody had that exclusion that they got, you know, for their 2020 tax return for any unemployment they received, and let's say they also had some unemployment in 2021, uh, you know, they will not have an exclusion available for them here in, in 2021. So, those are a couple of the items that, uh, you know, just to be aware of, again, these rebate checks, the, uh, the child credit um, payments that uh, uh, that they may have received in advance, you know, in 2021, and then unemployment. So a, a couple items to be aware of that, again, whether they're doing their return themselves or having a tax preparer uh, do that for them. So for our dear listeners, I hope you're listening because there will be a quiz at the end of this. Yes, uh, yes. And we will all fail, but I, the RIA, but we'll send you a form later to tell you what your score is. That's right. Not for a year. And, and I, just before I let you go, I, I, I do want to, I'm kind of doing the math in my head. You know, some folks may actually, who have children, may see less money back this year because if I'm doing the math right, you got over half of 
even though you're getting more back, you got more because they increased it, you received half of it. So therefore, those who would just get in a lump sum the following year probably get a little less. So so their income tax re, you know, refund may be down this year because they've got some of it already. Right. That's right. That's the, that's the situation that's going to come up in some cases. You're right, is that they may usually have gotten, let's say, a refund, you know, 1500 to, to, to 2000 let's say, each year, and they kind of – uh, have, uh, you know, maybe grown used to that. Uh, that's their refund each year. And then find out that maybe this year it might be at a break even or they might even owe or something and say, well, what happened this year? Well, uh, part of it might just be because they did get that, um, uh, advance payment, you know, this last summer and into the fall here with it, um, those payments. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they got that in advance, but they kind of, kind of out of sight, out of mind, forgot that. Now, when they get to filing their return, they're going to find out that they're not having the, the size of the refund they had before. So it will definitely um, be a little different with it. So you're going to have to be uh, uh, aware of that. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot of situations where people are you know, trying to you know, figure out what happened for the year with that. So. Well, it's not like another podcast. And, you know. It could be. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good one to, to do at some point is to, to go through that. Because, again, I think there'll be some uh, a lot of questions out there. I think there's a. In fact, I saw the form that they had to go through just that child credit. Uh, I think it's three or four pages, you know, which you think that would be pretty straightforward. You know, how many children do you have? You know, here's the credit multiple, you know, and it's, uh, like I said, it's, 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 um, it's pretty uh, detailed with it. So. And, and the other landmine out there is you may have earned less the year before and now you earn more, but they base that on the previous year. And now when you come, you may actually not have been qualified for the amount that you got. You know, it's just, it's, it's very complicated. Right. And that's, that's the point. That's what they did when they sent those in advance that they didn't have your, your 2021 income. They did look to the prior year with it. And again, if that's lower, you're going to get more of that credit. And then uh, when you get to file again, you may have that uh, reduced uh, uh, quite a bit with it. So, uh, and if you again, had a basis. That wasn't the year before. Then you got a bonus. I know it's too much. It's up and down. Who knows? You're all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jim and Tony. This was fantastic. We could go on all day, and and we probably should because it's a very complicated topic. But but thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thank you. Enjoyed it very much. That's all we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday or thereabouts wherever you download your favorite podcast. They're also available on BeaconJournal.com and our various apps. Before we go, we always have to thank our producer, B.J. Lisko, who makes this possible. And we urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, well, you have my heartfelt thanks. Until next week, now you know Akron.